right? So here is your scores throughout the league after a very long international break or what felt like it. Arsenal and Tottenham led things off. Arsenal won that match 3-1. Bournemouth and Brentford played to a nil-nil draw. Crystal Palace almost held Chelsea to a draw, but they were able to score in the 90th minute. Newcastle United beat Fulham quite soundly after an early red card. Liverpool and Brighton played to a 3-3 draw. Liverpool looked like they had come back and won it after falling behind 2-0, but Leandro Trossard finished his hat trick and tied that game. And then Southampton and Everton played a 2-1 win for Everton, and West Ham United quite easily beat the Wolves, who then fired their manager. The Manchester Derby. It was not really ever close, but it was a nine-goal, 6-3 match for Manchester City. Holland and Foden scored hat-tricks. Manchester United's Anthony did score a nice goal, and Martial had two, including a penalty. That was actually pretty nice, but for Manchester United, this will be looked at as a major disappointment. Let's get back to the show. Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three. How are you doing, Jake, today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Excited to be here. Man, I'm so energized first because it's Sunday, October the 2nd, and the fall weather is already showing up in Nashville. The leaves are changing colors. And most importantly, this morning, Manchester United versus Manchester City. All I have to say is Erling Haaland. I mean, watching that derby and and really not being super emotionally invested, obviously, in either team, that was an awesome game to watch. Unfortunately, we had a derby spoiled earlier this weekend, which we'll talk about. The North London derby, I would say, was was not as good as it could have been because of a certain thing that happened in the 60th minute, which we'll talk about. But the Manchester derby, nine goals altogether, nine goals. If I had said, hey. Do you think there will be over five goals? I think you'd think that was a lot. Nine goals. I mean, just amazing. Foden and Holland both with hat tricks. And I think they said it was something like it had been 60 years since there had been a hat trick in the Manchester Derby. And there were two of them today. I mean, this this city team is they're playing out of their mind. And I don't think they're going to stop anytime soon. Unbelievable. Also, it's worth saying Holland has the same number of hat tricks as Cristiano Ronaldo in the Premier League. And that's a huge statistic that we should honestly be looking out for because I think Haaland is going to break all the records. I know everyone is on a high horse right now about Erling Haaland. And so I want to make sure that we just tell it, you know, how it is. Everyone is talking about Haaland. Everyone is excited about Haaland. And it's a lot of hype. But I have to say, Erling Haaland has been doing this for a while now. And people don't pay attention too much to the German league because it's a farmer's league, they say, right? But now that he's in the Premier League, everybody's saying things like, is he the best player in the world? And I've, I've, I'm guilty of that because I've been saying that as well. So what do you think about that, Jake? I think that... So I texted you during the game, and I think that the only thing that you know you could debate in terms of... And I just want to say the best striker in the world because obviously with soccer when you talk about best player I think it's just it's just hard because of the nature of the positions and and so on and I do wonder if Robin uh, sorry if Robert Lewandowski was in the same position 
you know, would he be able to be as productive as Holland? I mean, it's tough to say yes, given how, how amazing Holland has done, but that would be the only thing that I could say to counter the claim that, I mean, he's the best. He's he's the most deadly and, you know, whatever. I Again, I would just wonder, because for me, I, I think we're about to see someone over the next however many years he's with City, someone and a team achieve things that will not be touched for decades, maybe even like a hundred years from now. I mean, I'm serious, like, because Holland is as amazing as he is. He's incredible. He's, he's all these things and it's, you know, absolutely. But city is the best team and has been the best team in the world. Even if, you know, champions leagues and maybe underperforming here didn't, you know, whatever, because they didn't get the quadruple, right? Because they didn't get the treble or the triple. It's like, that's their underachievement. So I think it's the marriage of the two that are going to make Holland into the legend that he's going to become, because it's not only a player with amazing ability, it's also the best possible situation that he could be in. And a team that for the last three years has been, you know, and even with Sergio Aguero has had the false nine has, you know, hasn't done the traditional striker. And now they have, they found the lightsaber, dude. They found the ancient weapon that they've been missing. Like this is, yeah, their differential at the end of the year is going to be a hundred. It's going to be crazy. I was going to say third consecutive uh, hat trick at home for Erling Haaland and also Manchester City on fire. Are they on the way to win this Premier League? For for me right now, I mean, I, I think so. We're gonna get into Arsenal. You know, it <laughs> City has already dropped points this year. It's a mental game, right? The Premier League and winning the championship of the you know the whole Premier League is is it's a mental grind and a marathon and winning against those Fulham's or those Newcastles or. I would say the Wolves, you know, these teams that are going to try to, you know, Southampton is another team that sometimes gives, you know, the big six fits. And so for me, who's going to prevail in those games? And if Arsenal does, I think City might, you know, just because they're starting behind and the way things have gone, we could see some. It's not over yet, Gustavo. It's not (laughs) over yet. Just because of the way the table is. I dare to say Manchester City is going to win it this this season. And unfortunately for me as a Liverpool uh, fan, I hate to see City win it one more time. I think they're going to win it. Arsenal is not going to be consistent. It's a great team, a lot of youthful players. I saw them play against Tottenham yesterday, and they look really good, but I don't think that the consistency is there. And something I was thinking about, Jake, is that Arsenal doesn't have a veteran season veteran, somebody who's been playing the Premier League for a long time. I don't know, name one. I, I can't think of anyone right now. And that I mean, granted Zaka, but I mean yeah. I don't know if yeah. But that's gonna cause them to stumble and that's gonna cause them to choke. I think Arsenal needs if I was an Arsenal if I was someone that had to do with signings or Arsenal, I would suggest to sign someone who's been playing in the Premier League for a while. Bring an older player, even if you don't put him every every game. Just bring someone that has the leadership, that has the consistency for these players to look up to, you know. And so the younger players are really exciting. I am really excited to see Saka, and I really I'm really excited to see Martinelli. 
perform the way that he's been doing it. Obviously, I think Arsenal is looking really good right now, but I don't think they're going to have the consistency throughout the season. In fact, I would dare to say that the Spurs will have more consistency than Arsenal themselves because of the experienced players, because of Antonio Conte. I see Arsenal dropping points eventually. I don't think they're going to be even in the top three this season. They might make it to the top four. I'm getting in trouble Arsenal fans, if you're listening, <laughs> I, I love you guys. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think I'm that about they're to ready back yet. them up. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so you know we we took a week off with the international break, and you were visiting and and being you know I just want to shout out like super dad, just like traveling with a less than one year old, you know, eight nine month year old, trying to it was it was a lot. So you know during that time, I was thinking about Arsenal and just how good they seem to be and how legit they are and to me this this north london derby was going to be a real litmus test for them and so you know just in terms of we're, we're moving into that now you know in terms of the game there's really nothing to say from a tottenham perspective um well there there is a lot to say but i think in terms of talking about the game it's really about arsenal's greatness arsenal was incredible all of them and, and i think it's interesting what you said about them needing an old player because I couldn't disagree more (laughs) with you because I think part of the magic at Arsenal right now is that they have cooked this stew at home. This is home cooking. That's what this is. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not like everyone's from the Academy, but they've had young players and they've brought in Arteta, who was a young coach who definitely had some growing pains. And, And don't forget when he came in, they won a trophy that year. I forget, was it the FA Cup or something yes, like that? They, I think won they won one of those FA domestic Cup. cups. Right. So, you know, I think that they are in a great place right now. And I don't think they need anything coming in and messing up their chemistry. Like one of the things I, I, I found myself writing things like, you know, there's a great vibe. Like it is. It's just and again, watching as a Tottenham fan that the North London Derby was tough. But, you know, as a fan of the game. Arsenal has finally taken what I think they've had for the last couple of years in this young group and just they've evolved together and their chemistry and the way they play together, I think is incredible. So, so I don't know, like, you know, I, I see the same thing with city, like they enjoy the dynamic. They like the work that they're putting in. They like the coach. They like what they're doing on the field. They agree with it. Like, you know, and I think the top teams have to have that element and Arsenal does. So I, I don't know. And I, and I just want to say, like, in terms of Gabriel Jesus, you know, his we were talking about this this morning. We were texting back and forth. You know, he his reputation and, you know, I don't know if people were watching the domestic game. I think it was two summers ago where he got a red card and he's in the stairwell and he's crying and putting his hand up. And it was bad. I mean, it was embarrassing. And then that was right around when he got transferred to City. And obviously he underperformed at City. And and he clearly is much better than what his past two years has shown because at Arsenal he fits and I don't know if you saw Gustav I mean I know you're watching but remember when he juke through two Tottenham defenders and then you know basically almost finished it I mean it was incredible reminded so me, I, uh, reminded me of Ronaldinho sorry to interrupt but no yeah. no exactly and so for me you know and him being left out and Martinelli as well being left out of the Brazilian national squad you know I think 
that there's a lot of momentum in Arsenal. And I just don't see what's going to come in the way of that momentum, because I feel like when you talk about making a run at it and stuff like that, it really is about, you know, City last year. They had like, what, a 15 game run or something crazy like that. And it was like, it didn't matter what happened after that. So my question is, and what you said, like, I think Arsenal can keep this going. Like, I don't know what's what is going to stop them for a skid, not just a one-off. I mean, they lost to United. That was rough, but now they're right back on it. I, I don't know. I think they're legit. Well, there you go, Arsenal fans. Jake has your back. <laughs> I think I I just want to say something about Jake. I, we were texting, well, we've been texting all weekend about these games, and for some reason, I, I feel like even praising Arsenal as a Tottenham fan is something admirable. And so, Jake, you are a real fan of football because <laughs> I know that the derby between Arsenal and Tottenham gets really heated in London. And so let's talk about Tottenham. What went wrong? Can you tell me your thoughts about what's going on with Tottenham Spurs? I, I feel like um, Sonaldo <laughs> didn't do much this weekend. Son uh, seemed a bit weak. I don't know. what What's going on, Jake? Was it the red card? <laughs> well, I that's the thing is I think this was a game that you weren't going to get a ton of chances, and there was there wasn't really much of a chance I think of Tottenham looking dominant and having you know a dominant performance. Like that's not even really the way they play anyway. So I I never really thought there was much of a chance of that. So given that, I actually thought for the first sixty minutes things were okay. I mean. You know, they scored in the first half off that Thomas Partey. I guess it wasn't a volley, but that that just shot off of the the pass back to the top of the 18. And it was I mean, it was gorgeous. I mean, there's nothing Loris could do on that. So, you know, kudos to him. He's also the one last year who came off at the field because he had a cramp, ended up giving us an advantage. And that was the game that we walloped them. So this game did feel like sort of revert, like an, an opposite of of a match from last year. The first match they played, I believe, last year. So. You know, for me, or maybe it was two years ago under Jose, but I feel that Tottenham, and let me just say this, Conte said at the beginning of the year, he said, we have holes. We are not fully there yet. We're next year, you know, that would be when to really fear us. We're a year away. We're not there yet. So I thought you were exposed in this match with Emerson Royale, who's one of those holes. Like he is not a player that can be relied upon on the big spot. And when you go back to Serge Aurier and Trippier before him, like that has been Tottenham's weakness is that right back position. And Emerson definitely has the physical attributes to get up and down the field. But when he gets the ball, you, like, you just feel the air come out of the balloon. And that's been true all season. But it was, you know, that red card, that, that straight red that was given is a little controversial. The conversations I've had with folks, people texting during the game, people went both ways on it. I know you thought it was a red. When I looked on it in slow motion, it it was bad enough that with the straight red, you couldn't reverse it. And, you know, it's, it's a stomp on the high ankle for no reason. It was a complete cheap shot. So I, I'm not against the red card there. Yeah, me either. Totally red card. I see the Tottenham Spurs had 35% possession. Only three shots on target. And I do have to say, Lenglet didn't look that well. I think Tottenham has everything to be an incredible team. Harry Kane on top. Richarlison, he's on fire with Brazil. 
We got Son. We have Perisic, an experienced player. We have Emerson, who has been messing things up. But he is actually a really talented player. And I have to say, Hugo Lloris, world champion, French starter. He's a wonderful goalkeeper. I just, I mean, and let's talk about Conte, an incredible coach. He's won so much throughout his career. I don't know why Tottenham... I mean, let me just say, I think this was the first loss in this season. It was their first loss. So yeah. Yeah. we're being harsh with Tottenham right now. But I think that they have a lot, a lot of potential to do amazing things this season. I definitely see them in the top four. I definitely see them do well in whatever competition they 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 are they become um, a part of this season. And so, yeah, shout out to Tottenham. It was a tough loss, but I think they're going to be okay. I think the red card was the turning point for this game yeah um, it ruined it and so and, and and it let down the team and the fans like that was it was just it was cheap it was cheap i got caught up in my own emotions over the game talking about it but it was it was just it was a fine game things were going fine you were in a good spot as tottenham and then something stupid happened and it was and and it blew the game i mean that i think that red i mean obviously that's what a red card does um bettis actually lost today on a, uh, they gave up, I think they got a red card in the first like five minutes. They lost one nil. Like, yep. you know, so. Yeah. Yep. And I, I was going to mention that some of the highlights for this weekend, as we get back to all these wonderful games, after the international stop and the passing of the Queen, Newcastle 4, Fulham 1, the red card with the red card, of course. We have Everton winning yesterday, which it was really huge for them to win again. It's really, really important for them to stay out of that last three. <laughs> we got um, Crystal Palace lost to Chelsea. Chelsea is back to winning. And Potter's first victory as a coach, I believe so. And Did you see the goal, though? The the 90th minute goal by Conor Gallagher? Was that the one that uh, Pulisic assisted? I, I don't know if it was the one that So it was outside the box. And I mean, it was a last ditch, you know, crank it and see what happens. And it was gorgeous. I mean, it it had a great bend to it. I think it either hit off the post or hit the side netting and, you know, curled around. And, and it's just tough because... You know, what I wrote down in my notes is, you know, Graham Potter will be safe as long as he wins. Right. It doesn't have to be pretty right now. And I don't think that we should expect that it's going to. But I think Connor Gallagher saved. I think this, you know, eventually this will just be another tally mark. I think this is an important tally mark. And I think Graham Potter should be, you know, really thanking Connor Gallagher against the team that he was loaned to last year because, um, it, without this win, like a, a the way they drew against Crystal Palace today, uh, you know, I, I it would not be a comfortable week for Graham Potter. So he should be thanking thanking Connor Gallagher. Yeah, and now that you mentioned Graham Potter, we can't. I know there's a lot of games that have happened, and we cannot cover everything. But I want to talk about uh, Liverpool for a second. Brighton looked so good yesterday. Bright. I don't know if it was the energy of having a new coach or trying to prove themselves that they're still a great team. I think they are a great team, of course, but they look really good. Liverpool, man, I think we mentioned in episode one that after the international break, Liverpool was going to pick up their slack and get back to winning. Anfield packed. Very, very incredible atmosphere at Anfield, and Liverpool still didn't get to win. They look sad. Virgil van Dijk looked really weak. 
Alexander Arnold. I know he's getting a lot of hate right now, but what is going on? Seems like he cannot defend. Did he forget how to defend? Georgian club came out to support him, say that he knows how to defend, but he admitted it that Alexander Arnold is in a really weird spot right now. Something has to change at Liverpool. I absolutely hate to see Darwin Nunez in the bench. Come on, what's going on? I don't know. Can you tell me, Jake, what do you see that, going wrong for Liverpool? <laughs> that That's my question for you, to be honest, because I don't really understand it. It seems like Salah has really, you know, just quieted down. And, and I guess one conclusion you have to come to is the loss of Mane and how much of an impact Mane really must have had. I felt like he was really quiet and that they had been reducing his role last year. But even still... We're sitting here now and it just feels like, you know, Firmino had two great goals today. The second one was was simple technique, but it was the calm, cool collectedness to take, you know, the touch inside past the defender to the other foot and just finish. I mean, it, it was beautiful, but I definitely feel like, you know, when you're spotting teams, two goals you're you're in a bad way and you're not really ready for these games or able to cope with a league that frankly just is much more dynamic than it's been in the past. I mean, right, your Burnleys aren't here anymore, right? You're like big ball, big hunking guys trying to like, you know, work it to the edges and whip it in. Like that's, you know, not that, I mean, that's part of soccer, but now you have this interplay that can go on and Brighton is a great example of a team that, you know, right now with McAllister and Pascal Gross and Trossard, like they they can move it. They can. Oh, and well back back from the dead, like, you know, like they can really move it around. And I think, you know, that's where I, I talk about focus earlier with with Arsenal and Man City is like, you know, are you going to be able to approach a Brighton match like it's a Champions League knockout match? Because Brighton's going to bring it to you like it is, and they're going to be in their interplay at least, you know, mimicking some of these really good teams. And can you cope with it? Like, it's not, you can't sleep on any team, and especially Brighton right now. So, I, you know, that's where I just feel like mentally Liverpool just seems to be in a in a rough space right now, which, I, you know, I don't know why that would be. They're sitting nine on the table at the moment, and I... Well, that might be why it would be, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed in their face, even even if you see the players in their face, they seem confused, they seem sad. It's like they've lost the love for the game. I don't know if it has to do with we're coming back from winning so much over the last two and three years that it's a natural thing for teams to start declining but it's really sad to see. I hope that we treat Georgian Club well because when he was winning everything, he was a god in Liverpool. I hope that we continue to appreciate his work. I think that it's just a natural phase of life for these footballers. <laughs> I don't want to really see James Milner start again or even come come in. I, I know he's a legend. I know he is really loved in Liverpool, but... To me, he's just no longer a player that deserves to be playing in the Premier League. And I'm sorry to say it, I don't dislike the guy, but he's low, he's clumsy, it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing, he commits really dummy faults, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, again, I might be speaking out of my hurt right now. <laughs> so if you're a Liverpool fan, I want you to you know, send us your thoughts, because I don't know, I feel like the team is it's not picking up 
Darwin Nunez was compared to Erling Haaland earlier uh, in the season, and now it's even you know laughable to even think that we compared him to Erling Haaland. Mohamed Salah, I don't know, maybe he's intimidated by by the fact that Haaland came to the Premier League, <laughs> but he seems he seems like he's lost. I mean, maybe it was the increase in pay. <laughs> are we paying him too much? Maybe we are paying him I too mean, much. I <laughs> mean, listen, that that's not uncommon in sports to see performance go down after a big payday. So, I mean, it's it's absolutely something to be talked about and considered because, like we've said, it's just they don't have the mojo that they once had. And it's it's hard to we understand We need it why. back. We need the mojo back, Jake. I can't... I, can't, I mean, we lost... In the Champions League already, we didn't look that good. Uh, we don't look well in the Premier League. Are we gonna get to win trophies this season? I will be happy if they win the FA Cup. You know, I, I will be content if, if we, they only win the yeah, FA Cup. Yes, and I know Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool fans believe that we can win more, but I think I have come to the conclusion that this season. It's pretty much over for Liverpool. We just got to try to stay in the top four. And I'm being a pessimist right now. Maybe we'll see what happens in the next... Maybe in episode 15, we'll, we'll have a different uh, you know, idea of what's going on. But I think Liverpool is just going to maybe make it to the top four, maybe European football for this season. But well, I let me let me I say this. Wrong. Let me say this. I think... You know, I'm I'm looking. I just realized that the Champions League games are starting up this week. Right. So the last game in the group stage and Liverpool is playing Rangers who have just not really had a great start to their season and have not performed well in Europe at all. So, you know, <laughs> Liverpool, like <laughs> you, all you got to do is win that game. I still think there's everything to play for for them. I, I really do. So I, I hear you. I you know, I probably talked that way about Tottenham. Clearly, I was all doom and gloom listening to you after me, you know, talk about Tottenham and, and how I was feeling about them. But and I think Liverpool, it, it feels like they have the pieces to put it together. So, you know, let's see it. Let's see it. Yep. That, that's where they're at right now. Like you have you have what you need. Absolutely. Time to put it together. Absolutely. Well, the Premier League has been really exciting uh, this weekend, and I am super happy that we're back playing uh, watching the Premier League on the weekends I really missed it during the international uh, break and so is there any other team any other game that you want to highlight before we take a break Jake for the Premier League I mean Aston Villa and Leeds did just play to a 0-0 draw and Leeds got a red card in the first three minutes of the second half I think it was Sinistera so just another red card uh, for this for weekend, Leeds. it feels like it was a big for Leeds too, but it was a big weekend for red cards in general. So I feel like they got a red card last time they played as well. If I'm not really mistaken, I believe you. Yeah, because they, yeah, I don't know. They just seem like they are a, a playing boring football lately. I used to love watching Leeds United play, and I have to say, every time I sit down to watch them play, it's just it seems like they've lost. The excitement. If you remember last few seasons, Leeds used to score a lot of goals. It used to be, of course, even if they lost, they would score three, four, five goals. And nowadays, it just seems like they just want to play to tie the game and, and um, or lose. But I don't know. 
I, I hope that I hope that they get they get back to maybe it was losing Rafinha that changed it for them, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Jesse March was on the uh, in the stands today because he had because he had gotten the red card. That's who it was, dude. Jesse March, the coach, had gotten the red card. Oh, that's what it was. Um, so he was suspended for the game. Honestly, they looked good in the first half. I just, um, I mean, it's hard to win a game when you're down a man, even when you're the better team and playing better, which they were. Yep. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back to speak about international football. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us. We now have Instagram, TikTok, and go check us out. We'll be right back after this break. All right. All right. And we're back to talk about the uh, international break that really did feel like it lasted for a long, long time, although there was some some good drama. So it's like, where do I even start here, Gustavo? But I want I want to lead off and hear your thoughts about Mexico because they did not perform as you might have expected. And I know you have some thoughts on that. Oh, absolutely. Number one, as a Honduran citizen, as a fan of the U.S. men national team, as a hater of Mexican football, sorry, I, I love Mexico, love the culture, but when it comes to football, we have a big rivalry, uh, obviously, because Honduras is part of the CONCACAF and because I, I've been in the U.S. since I was 12. So I like seeing Mexico lose, I have to be honest with you. This might be uh, this might get me in trouble with their Mexican fans, but feel free to send me uh, your comments. <laughs> Mexico won against Peru, but they looked really bad. They didn't really play that well. Uh, I feel like against Colombia in the first half, they looked amazing. And I have to say, although I don't like Mexico, they do have incredible players and they do, they do tend to be a really good team. I mean, it's really hard to beat Mexico no matter what. And I saw them play against Colombia. I saw the first half and I thought they're going to win at least by three goals. But for some reason... Colombia came back in the second half and scored three goals, incredible goals, and Mexico lost the match. Fans were really upset at Tata Martino. They were throwing stuff at him, screaming things at him. I think if I was a Mexican fan or if I was Mexican, I would say fire Tata Martino right now before the World Cup starts. Fire him, fire him, fire him. Because simply, well, number one, I don't think he's liked in Mexico, and that's a huge deal, right, Jake? I mean, if you don't like your coach, there's always going to be something weird about supporting that coach because if it's not liked, how is it going to be supported, if that makes any sense? It, do you mean by the players, too, on that? Uh, maybe. Maybe it's fans? not even liked by the players, but the fans, mm. I would say most Mexican fans are not pleased with Tata Martino, have not been pleased with him. I mean, he lost twice against the U.S. in two really important competitions, right? The Gold Cup, yeah, was it? That's but, true. Uh, you yeah. know, I forgot the, what the other competition was. But the U.S., Mexican's biggest rivalry, rival, sorry, law, uh, beat them twice. And so for them to lose two finals is a big deal. In all honesty, uh, Jake, I'm surprised Tata Martino is still employed by the Mexican Federation. Uh, and, and so wow. I'm very... I mean, that's a big take. <laughs> I just I just think probably the it would be very difficult, I would think, to make that change before the World Cup. And, and I mean, you know, 
let's say regardless of what was going to happen, Mexico is going to be out in the first round of the group stage, right? Or like, or sorry, of the knockout stage. Like, let's say, you like know, it, like they're they gonna always get out have. Of the group. <laughs> like, like, no, right. Like, let me just say, like, let me, let's just say that, you know, theoretically or hypothetically, whether they kept him or put someone new in place, the same thing was going to happen. Don't you think that if they replaced him, and again, that same thing happened, even if it was going to be what was going to happen before, you would think like, well, what if? What if we had had him? Maybe he could have gave, given our team the edge because he knows them and the experience. So I can see why they wouldn't want to replace you know, their manager a month before the World Cup. So I get that, can't blame him for that. I get that 100%, but I'm all about energy. I feel like if the energy is not good around the team... Going to the World Cup is going to have some kind of challenge. And I think they should bring El Piojo back. He was really fun to watch. And honestly, I just want to see him celebrate on the sideline like he did in Brazil. Uh, and so, but best of luck to Mexico, obviously. I will support, and I told you this before, Jake, in the World Cup, I'm supporting all the American teams. When I say America, I mean the continent, right? right so the yeah. U.S. number one. Then Argentina, because I'm a big fan of Leo Messi. And then I will support anyone else who is from the continent. So in that case, Mexico is a team that I want them I want them to go to the Canada game. Canada, of course. And let yeah. me say, Mexico, they, they should break that curse, if we can say it that way, of the, the is it the fourth game or the, the fifth game? I don't know. They never make yeah. it out of the group stage. Um, and so, or yeah. sorry, they do make it out of the group stage, but they always yeah, lose. That first knockout yeah. game. Yep. Yeah, I think yep. that would be the fourth game. Right. Yeah. So best of luck to Mexico. And I want to hear you talk about the U.S. because we're not doing that I, well. Either. Wow, you read my mind. I was just going to say, because I, I think, you know, since you've you've said the U.S. already, like when we think about those big U.S. wins, you know, maybe those were, you know, and obviously the roster isn't exactly the same. So, you know, in that way, sometimes talking about a team as a static entity can be confusing and misleading. But, you know. U.S. has in the last couple of years performed well in those big championship matches against Mexico. And so it's been exciting and there's been a lot of, I think, positive momentum. This last international break was disappointing, you know, having that recent past in place and sort of using it as a reference point. I don't feel confident that the U.S. is going to win a game <laughs> because, no, I'm serious, because Iran you know, they're in their group, right? It's Iran, right. Wales, and in England. So, right. you know, I, obviously we'll talk about England, but I don't think the U.S. is going to beat England. I don't think... Well, here's... Let me put it this way. They could draw all their matches. Eh, probably not. But they... Maybe. But I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they have what it takes. You know, watching the Saudi Arabia game, you know, I was Boring. able to sort of tune in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just... It, it, for me, it's like... You know, I'm a big mentality guy, and I have to assume that when you're with the national team, even if it's Saudi Arabia, that Greg Berhalter is talking about getting up for the game like it's the finals against Mexico, this and that. And so if they're either incapable of doing that or um, like that is their ceiling when they are capable of mentally getting there. We're in trouble either way. So right. the only chance that you really have of getting points in that group is maybe drawing Wales. I, I can't imagine that England is not going to win all three of their games. And then, you know, beating Iran and 
based on what they showed at Saudi Arabia, I don't see what they're going to do to dismantle Iran, who in the last World Cup was covered heavily because they basically used this strategy where they made the wall. I don't know if you ever like watch their games and the coverage, like they had the graphic and they would, they would literally just play as a singular unit. That was like an unbreakable wall and it worked out pretty well for them. They almost advanced. Um, I think it was, I think they drew Spain and then, I don't know, there was something that just, they just messed up at the end of it. But my point is I am not confident that the U S is going to really, perform in this world cup which is disappointing because you would think that you know with so many players playing abroad and tyler adams who again plays for leeds like watching him today he's the way he passes and his decisiveness and presence like he's a joy to watch but it's not turning into you know glory and winning in the big stage and that that's disappointing well i hope you're wrong my friend I hope that the U.S. is holding back right now because it's friendly matches. And that's also something to be alert on like or to be aware of is that a lot of these players are not giving it the, their best right now because, you know, you don't want an injury. You don't want to lose on, on going to the World Cup. But at the same time, there's the argument of a lot of these players have to prove themselves during these friendly matches to get a spot on the team. Because remember the official list is not done yet for any team. And so a lot of these players should be fighting for that spot, right? Especially the ones that are not typically called. And so I don't see, and I, I agree with you in a way because Pulisic, for example, he hasn't been shining as much as he used to. And so Zimmerman, which is our, our captain, our defender, uh, number one defender, he plays mm -hmm. for Nashville. I don't know if you're aware of that. He plays in Nashville, mm -hmm. so I yep. get to see him live a lot. He's amazing, but he doesn't seem as as strong as he, he seems in the MLS, so we'll see what happens. But best of luck, of course, to the teams in CONCACAF. We should always back up the teams in CONCACAF, the people who live in this area of the world, right? And so... Well, let so, me ask you about Argentina, because I know that is a team that you care a lot about, and they're close to breaking a record internationally, right? Yeah, absolutely. They haven't lost a game. I think it's like 29, if I'm right. I don't know. But it's been a while since they lost a match, and they're about to break a record. I believe they have to win two more times to break the longest record, which I think is held by... Um, by the Argentina or by Germany, I forget. But either way, Messi looks amazing. He scored an incredible goal against Jamaica. And actually, he scored another... It was it was a free kick. He scored another free kick in PSG uh, yesterday, I believe. So Messi is on fire. The pole looks really well with Argentina. I, I think Argentina has a big chance of making it far. I'm not going to say they're going to win it, but they should be at least semi-final semi-finalist this time and if they don't make it to the semi-finals i will be shocked but i think they're gonna make it at least to the semi-finals this on this competition i'm excited about spain to be honest with you jake i saw spain um play um the what uh, what's it called what's the competition called i forget uh the uh, is it the nation nations league? league sorry yeah excuse me for no, a second you're good. you're good i saw them play against portugal which if you see portugal's team they on paper they they should be one of the best teams in the world. I mean they have an incredible group of players, incredible, and yet they couldn't beat Spain in Portugal. 
which is a chalker. And Spain beat them with a goal by Alvaro Morata on the last few minutes of the game. And so I want to say, Spain, watch out for them. They might do something really cool this World Cup. It's really hard to play against Spain because they have probably, for the most part of the game, they have the, the possession of the ball. And um, I will be I will be curious to, to see how Spain does in the World Cup as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I... This is our second to last item for me. You know, I love Brazil right now. I'm really, you know, I married a Brazilian woman. I, you know, part of it is that, but I am feeling really good about Brazil right now. And for me, you know, just quickly with Spain, Ferran Torres, I just think is just a choke artist. Like talk about a guy who deservingly went to city and, you know, sort of disappeared and fell off. You know, he's a Barcelona right now, but to me, you know, he's, He's kind of anonymous and not really that effective. So, you know, to me, I, I just can't with Spain. I can't really believe in them. I, I know they have a lot of great players, but I just I don't I don't see them being able to do the damage that I think Brazil is going to do. I, I have Brazil to win the World Cup. I really think I think this is their time. I would be really happy if somebody outside of Europe wins. it. <laughs> so I, I like Brazil. I like Neymar. I hope that they do well. And also because uh, your wife is part of our family, so we're going to support. I know that she might not even uh, care as much. Yeah, as, she doesn't care at all, but we do. <laughs> but we do. And I have a lot of great Brazilian friends. Again, I'm supporting anyone from this continent, and I really hope that uh, Europeans uh, stay out of winning at this time. They've been winning it since 2002, I believe. Brazil was the last team that won it outside of Europe. In 2002, Korea, Japan, or Korea, uh, Korea, Japan. And so we'll see what happens. I'm really excited about the World Cup. This is really exciting, friends. It's October the 2nd. The World Cup is less than 50 days away. I'm really, really excited. And I hope you guys are also excited about the World Cup as much as we are. The Premier League is super exciting. La Liga, meh. I saw Barcelona's game yesterday, meh. I'm honestly becoming a less fan of La Liga the more that the, the the more I watch the Premier League cuz I have to say I I been watching La Liga for many years but lately it's all about the Premier League maybe it's the podcast maybe it's because uh, I I talk to Jake too much but um yeah man yeah it's just different it's just different the Premier League has a certain pace and excitement to it that just I don't know what it is. The other leagues just don't quite have it. But that being said, I do enjoy watching, you know, La Liga matches from time to time, but I'm not really that disappointed when I miss them. But Bill Bow, going back to, you know, teams you should root for, Bill Bow had a great Friday. Uh, Nico Williams and Inaki Williams uh, assisted each other, which was the first time for the brothers to do that, which was pretty cool. So um, they're getting better. They're, I think they're going to be good. I'm, again, don't sleep on my athletic club. They're I, looking good this year. I, I love the the. I love how much you love Bilbao. I think it's it's pretty awesome that you support that team. And I have to say, Lewandowski scored again. Let's just say that and leave it there because. It's but pretty, only pretty one. Impressive. I mean, again, <laughs> I, like I said, like they're Holland and Lewandowski. I think are. You know, their success this year is kind of relative to each other as well. So I don't know. I for me. At once once Holland got the hat trick and then Lewandowski went out and got the hat trick, I feel like it was on. So for me, you know, when I look at Barcelona playing, I think it was Mallorca or, you know, some, you know, any team that isn't a top team 
in Spain, I expect three goals. Right. Like that's what they should be doing. So, right. Yep. So yep. I can't help but think about a one nil win that I did tune into like the last 10 minutes and they were edgy and nervy and they shouldn't be that. So not a, not a failure, three points, but still yeah. boring. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Jake, before we signed off? Nah, thanks to everyone. This was, we rambled a lot. England got relegated from the Nations League. I really, I don't know enough about the Nations League to know what exactly that means, but I still think they're going to perform well in the World Cup. I think I, I made a little bracket. I think I have Brazil knocking them out. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be fine, but they did get relegated. So absolutely. Well, we're going to have an episode that's just specifically focused on the World Cup soon in the next few episodes. And so be on the lookout for that. Also, please don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts that we now have on TikTok as Dos Hermanos Podcast, on Instagram as Dos Hermanos Podcast as well. And I'm really excited to continue this journey with our podcast. Please send us your feedback. Let us know if you have any ideas of what you liked for us to talk about. And uh, it's been a blast. Jake, my friend, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Oh,